You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It is June 2022, and it's time for your Ask the Expert segment. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us this month is a new guest, but an old friend, Brent Johnson, the founder and CEO of Santiago Capital. Thanks for joining us today, Brent. Happy to be here, uh, Craig. Uh, I don't know if I'm an expert or not, but I'm happy to answer your questions. <laughs> well, you're more <laughs> of an expert than I am. So it's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, again, Brent, obviously a great follow on Twitter. You can find him there. What is it, Brent? Is it just at Santiago Capital? Well, you can do the search function, Santiago Capital. You can also, the, ha- the actual handle is at Santiago AU Fund. Uh, but if you just go to the search thing and type in Santiago Capital, you'll find me there. It's a black seashell logo. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty active there. And you can you can just do a, a YouTube search or a Google search as well, and you'll get plenty of links and plenty of information. So uh, feel free to check that out. Absolutely. And uh, again, full of uh, very good information, certainly a good follow on Twitter. And uh, someone, if you didn't know Brent before today, you're going to want to listen to this. Uh, before we get going... For all the gold and silver investors out there, um, you always want to stop by Sprott Money for any kind of precious metal that you might be in the market for. But if you're looking for a secure place to store your precious metal, Sprott Money has a special storage promotion right now where you can store all of your metals in our secured Canadian facilities for free, no charge until August 31st. That's a couple of months of free storage. Want to find out more? Give Sprott Money a call at 888-861-0775. And then as always, yeah, just thank them for putting this content out there. The easiest thing you can do to show your appreciation is to give us a like, maybe a share or a subscribe on whichever channel you are listening to. All right. So Brent, with that, again, uh, the format for Ask the Expert is we solicit questions on the internet from Sprott Money customers as well. And I've got seven of them for you today. If you are ready, shall we dive right in? Let's do it. All right. My friend, for those uh, that follow you on Twitter or have seen you before, uh, you now have the moniker of the dollar milkshake guy, right? I, I do. For better or for worse, I do. The first question is, can you explain in English? Uh, what your dollar milkshake theory is for those that uh, that don't quite know. Yeah, so in very simple terms, uh, I coined this because, you know, subsequent to the global financial crisis in 2008 and over the last 10 years, 12 years, 13 years, or whatever time frame you want to define that as, the world was essentially flooded with liquidity uh, by central banks, governments, and monetary authorities around the world. And for a variety of reasons, a number of which have to do with the fact that the U.S. has the global reserve currency, it's my belief that the U.S. is going to suck up all of that liquidity into the U.S. and the U.S. markets. And so regardless of whether it was yen that was printed, yuan that was printed, Brazilian real, Australian dollars, uh, euros, I think a lot of that's going to get converted into dollars and sent into the United States. And I think that's going to make the U.S. dollar extremely strong versus other fiat currencies. Now, whether it is strong versus commodities and real assets, that I'm not sure. Uh, but I have, a, I have a strong conviction that it's going to dramatically outperform um, other fiat currencies. And as a result, I, it was kind of a play on this movie called There Will Be Blood. Will this uh, 
this, you know, oil baron was, you know, negotiating a piece of land with one of his uh, neighboring competitors. And the guy was trying to get him to buy his land. And he said, I don't really need to buy your land. All I got to do is stick a straw down in on my side of the, the fence and I can still drink, uh, I can drink all your oil and I, I can drink your milkshake. And so that's, that's kind of what I based it on. It was just kind of a simple way to explain what I think is going to happen as we move into what I believe will be a sovereign debt and a sovereign currency crisis. So I, I hope that explains it. If not, uh, people are feel free to you know, shoot me an email or something and I can try to do a better one. But again, it's kind of a, a rel- dollar relative to all the other fiat, the dollar exactly. soaring, not necessarily collapsing. That, that's exactly right. I, I think there's this popular thesis out there especially among gold and silver investors, which, which makes sense. If, you, if you've studied fiat currencies, you know that over long periods of time, the purchasing power of fiat currency is horrible, right? right. Uh, it, it loses its purchasing power. And, you know, many people have seen these charts that go back 50 years or 100 years and, you know, 80, 90 percent of the purchasing power of the dollar has been inflated away. And the thing is, similar things happen to other fiat currencies. It's not, it's not a unique situation to the dollar. And so that's one of the biggest arguments for owning gold and silver. And, and I'm, I'm a huge proponent for having gold and silver in your portfolio. But I think you got to be careful when you say that the dollar is going to go to zero or the dollar is going to lose all its value because we do still live in a fiat world. And um, these other currencies, in my opinion, are even worse than the dollar. And if the dollar goes up versus these other fiat currencies, really bad things are going to happen in the financial markets. So um, I think you got to be careful when you, rather than saying the dollar is going to zero, maybe just say gold's going to go higher. Well, that's a pretty good segue to the next two questions I have for you, Brent. Uh, question number two is, uh, do you think the Fed actually might end up fearing a soaring dollar due to the deflation that that often presents? Well, in short, yes, I absolutely do. Um, and th- this is another point that I try to make uh, quite often. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give you a longer term answer and then I'm going to give you a shorter term answer as well. Okay. But, um, you know, a lot of people will, will again, when they're, they're arguing that the dollar is going to lose value and the reason you have to get out of the dollar is that they will say that the Fed is going to lose control. And, and my point to them is always the Fed losing control is not the dollar going lower. The dollar kind of uh, going lower in a managed fashion, that's exactly what the central bank, uh, uh, the Fed wants, right? They, they, they want to do that. The dollar getting away and the, the, the Fed losing control is the dollar going higher. Um, that is the whole reason that the Fed was put in place in the first place was to be a lender of last resort and to counteract the deflationary pressure of a rapidly rising currency. So number one, yes, I absolutely believe they fear a, a dollar that rises out of control. Now, in the very short term, um, I actually believe that the Fed wants a stronger dollar. Yeah. I think that they are kind of using that as a way to tamp down the inflationary pressures that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it's being used, well, what, what, whether it's its primary reason they're doing it or whether it's just a knock-on effect, you know, the dollar going up puts extreme pressure on other countries around the world. And I think uh, the, the U.S. can use that to its advantage when it's trying to negotiate either geopolitical uh, deals or trade deals or whatever it is. So I think they're trying to put, um, you know, the rest of the world under pressure so that they can extract, uh, you know, better terms of either trade, geopolitics, you know, treaties, alliances, all that kind of stuff. So I think in the short term, they want a stronger dollar, but in the long term, they certainly don't. All right. Well, then that then leads us to question number three. Um, you mentioned the issues that the stronger dollar causes not only to other 
uh, major fiat, but to emerging markets as well. And as we record this here in June of 2022, the Japanese yen is just collapsing versus the dollar to levels not seen in 20 years. And uh, that has impacts for Japan, but other markets as well. And so I guess the actual question is, will the falling yen force the Chinese and the People's Bank of China to devalue the yuan as well? So uh, again, in short, yes. And it's funny, um, it's, it's nice that somebody asked this question. I was at a conference in, um, in it was either March or April, and somebody asked me what, what, what was the thing I was most focused on. And, and my answer was the Japanese yen. And the reason is for exact, that exact reason, which you just brought up, Craig, is, um, you know, the, 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 the yen has fallen 15% year to date and 20% over the last year. Uh, that is an incredible move for a non-emerging market currency. Yeah. I mean, the yen is one of the biggest, if not the second biggest currency in the world. That is an enormous move for, an, for a currency. Um, that is a big deal. Um, and, 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 it, and it puts a lot of pressure on other Asian currencies because, you know, they're, they're competing, you know, regionally with the Japanese yen. And as, you know, yen goods become uh, more competitive, it puts pressure on China. China is already uh, having uh, to deal with a, a number of pressures because their, um, their import costs are going up because they have to import a lot of their food and a lot of their energy. Uh, those are priced in dollars. So not only is the price of them high, but they're having, the, the dollar is high. So they're, they're kind of getting double screwed for lack of a better word on their, on their import costs. Uh, their top line revenue is down because they're having deflationary pressures from their uh, overpriced real estate market, et cetera, et cetera. So they're really getting squeezed. And now they're one of their competitors, the Japanese yen is, is losing value and becoming even more competitive with them. So I think it puts enormous pressure on China and Hong Kong. And, and I think it will ultimately lead to uh, both the yuan and the Hong Kong dollar losing their peg and uh, depreciating versus the US dollar. And I guess just for in layman's terms for people listening, I mean, when I think about it, I remember the last time the Chinese devalued officially, uh, it took a couple of days, but then the U.S. stock market fell about 10% in two weeks. Um, is that the kind of thing yeah, we well, might expect again? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because let's think about why China would do this. The reason that you would devalue your currency is because of the deflationary pressure that you're feeling and you're trying to stoke inflation, right? So if you devalue your mm -hmm. currency, that's an, that's an inflationary move. So they probably don't want to do that because if they devalue their currency, then their commodity price costs are gonna be even higher. But if, to save the banking system, they might have to do it, right? So if you are devaluing your currency, that means you're pulling inflation into your country in order to offset that deflationary pressure. Well, if you are pulling that inflation in, then what you're doing is you're pushing the deflation out, right? And so right. if you push that deflation out of China, it sends a shockwave to the rest of the world. If the Chinese yuan falls a lot, that you know, kind of conversely means the US dollar is rallying a lot. If the US dollar is rallying a lot, that's probably putting pressure on asset prices, right? And mm -hmm. so you could definitely get to whether it's a crash or a collapse, you know, perhaps it isn't that severe, but 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 I can I can tell you with. I'm not certain of anything, Craig, but I'm, I have high degree of confidence that if the Japanese or if the Chinese yuan were to be devalued, it would create a, a lot of volatility in global markets. Which is why I'm sure you were discussing it back in March, right? That's why it's been on your radar. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, the next couple of questions have to deal with uh, metals. Uh, question four. 
uh, this is just kind of a wide open question. Which precious metal, I guess, gold or silver, do you think is best to own in the years ahead? Well, I think that the way I would answer that, if you're asking me personally, I would say gold. But if it's if it's a more general question, I think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. <laughs> if yeah. you are swinging for the fences and you're trying to generate a huge speculative return that gets you 10x, then you go with silver. Um, but you're going to have a hell of a ride and, you know, it's not going to be easy and you better have some, uh, um, you know, the, what do you call it? Uh, the Pepto-Bismol by your bedside, um, uh, to, 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 to ride, to, to ride that thing. Um, but if you're trying to protect your wealth, if you're trying to survive this, what I believe will be a crisis ahead, and you want to come out the other side of it with some capital intact and some purchasing power intact, then I think gold is your better bet. It's 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 the more it's the more certain of the two, um, you know. And I think anybody who's listening to this is familiar with all the reasons why gold holds its value over long periods of time, and why it's a good store of value, and why it's always seen as a as a good form of capital. So um, if you're looking as a portfolio insurance or some kind of a, a store of wealth, um, I think there's few things better, maybe nothing better than gold. All right. Well, Brett, we're already more than halfway done, brother. We're having so much Jeez. fun. This is easy. All right. Question five. Do you have any thoughts on platinum and palladium? Um, well, nothing specific. I don't. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm a platinum and palladium expert. I'm not. Although, you know, for years, um, it, and I remember years ago, it's probably right around the time when, when Sprott bought Rick Rule's firm, uh, Rick was, um, you know, talking to me about platinum and palladium. And I just, I, I don't remember all the details, but uh, what I remember, first of all, yeah, I love Rick. And, you know, there's few people in the world that are smarter than Rick when it comes to natural resources. So, right. you know, <laughs> he's the expert and I'm just going to parrot what he told me, but he basically made the argument that uh, the platinum and palladium is not an if question, it's a when question. Hmm. And uh, it's just a matter of time. And, and I think what he was getting at was a lot of the stuff that we're starting to see now with supply chains and, you know, uh, energy crisis and, uh, you know, political idiocy, all that kind of stuff. You know, when all of that stuff kind of meets together in the singularity, platinum and palladium probably go a lot higher. And so I think we're probably getting pretty close to that, if not already in it. All right. Um, question six gets to your day job, uh, managing money at Santiago Capital. Uh, what are your thoughts on the mining sector? It's been a pretty tough couple of months. And then additionally, do you own any, uh, you mentioned Rick Rule, do you own any uranium shares? I don't own any uranium shares. We do have a small exposure to some, uh, just the, just the uh, underlying commodity. Um, and, that, and that's via ETFs. And so um, it's something that we've been watching and, you know, we probably should have been heavier in than we were. Um, again, I think for all the reasons that we just related to platinum palladium and, you know, this energy crisis and these, you know, idiotic, for lack of a better word, regulations that yeah. have, uh, you know, put us into this potential energy crisis that we're at. I expect, uh, I expect uranium to go much, much higher in the years ahead. Um, and what's, I don't know if you saw this this morning or not, but Germany, you know, they've already started back up their, their coal plants, even the, the ones they shut a year ago. Now they're starting those up again. Uh, but they're, but they're, but they're still shutting uh, nuclear plants, which Remarkable. It just, it just, it's just, it's mind boggling. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I mean, what, what can I say that hasn't been said before with that? So um, I think the same thing will happen with these nuclear plants that are being shuttered that, that are happening with full plants. They'll shut them down and then they'll realize that we made a really bad mistake and, you know, we've got to reverse this. And, you know, and when that happens, uranium will go through the roof. Yes. You know, I, I tell people, um, and you probably agree with this, uh, you know, back in the day, which is as recently as 10 or 12 years ago, maybe, people would look at a uranium plant and think, yeah, that's a great deal. You know, over the next five years, those shares might double. Yeah. But today, yeah. if they don't double in the next month, people don't want to own it. Yep. Yep. It's a, uh, well, and it's one of these things, you know, you probably don't have time to get into this, but, uh, you know, the, the rise of passive investments um, has really changed the way things trade. And once something starts in trending in a direction, the passive investments will drive it in that direction. And it yeah. takes a lot to it takes a lot to turn the battleship, so to speak. Now, once it turns, it, it typically, you know, will go in that direction for a long time. And you know, we, we've had a couple of these turns in in uranium over the last couple of years. You know, it had a big run up in 21, and then it kind of came back, and then it had a big run up in the spring here, and now it's pulled back. And you know. Like I said, we, we own a little bit. We've, we've been looking to add and, um, you know, I, I, I should probably kind of focus on that over here over the next uh, couple of weeks or couple of months because, um, you know, like I said, in the years ahead, I think it's going to go a lot higher. In the very short term, I don't know, maybe 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 we have another pullback, you know, with, with what the Fed is doing and, you know, raising rates. Um, it's very possible that they, they push us into some kind of a, a recession or something. And so... I'm not saying to go out and back up the truck on uranium here, but uh, I certainly think it has a place in the portfolio. How about gold and silver miners? Um, are you nibbling here after the couple of months we've had? You know, I'm not yet. And, and again, it's part of the reason of why I own gold in the portfolio and what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, the reason I own gold is for kind of portfolio insurance, uh, political insurance, and kind of overall um, capital market insurance, for lack of a better word, right? Um, the gold portion of my portfolio is not trying to generate a high degree of alpha. Um, we have other trades that we're doing uh, that we think have even better asymmetry. Um, so we are not currently in the mining stocks. Now, that's not me going out there and telling everybody that mining stocks are a bad idea. I'm just telling you, I don't personally you know, look for that area of my, that, I don't look to that industry for my, for my alpha generators. Um, you know, if, if, if that is an area that you're looking for alpha generators, I think that's perfectly appropriate. Um, along with potential alpha comes potential downside, right? And you know, we, we had again, we had a nice run in the spring in the miners, and now they've they've pulled back here. A lot of times in, in my history is that these 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 mining stocks and even gold and silver tip, tend to bottom over the summer and then make a run in the third quarter. And so I think that that's very possible again here. Now, whether it starts today or whether it starts uh, in July or August, I don't know, but. Um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be watching. And if, if we get more downside from here, I probably will be nibbling. I don't know if we will or not, but if we do, I probably will be. Well, my friend, we've come to the end of the road. I only have one last question for you. And so let me lay this one on you with question seven. Um, I, there's a presumption in the question that at some point the Fed will pivot again uh, yeah. away from tightening and, and uh, back toward easing and QE. Uh, if, if you believe in that, what then would be more likely to drive that pivot? Would it be a, an economic collapse and recession or a stock market collapse and bear market? I think it may, it may be a combination of those two. And I think there's a third, uh, there's a third uh, option as well as a, a lot of people don't realize this. And this is, uh, and part of the reason people don't realize is it's not really talked about that much. It's being talked about more now in the last few years than it was for a long time. But 
there's two different dollar markets. And what I mean by that is there's the domestic US dollar market, and then there's all the dollars that exist outside the United States around the world. Mm-hmm. And, and the dollar market outside the United States is even bigger than the dollar market inside the United States. And so, you know, if, if, if there's a crisis outside the United States, it will eventually blow back into the United States uh, because of this Euro dollar market. You know, there's so much need for dollar funding outside the United States. If that comes into trouble, it will eventually cause the Fed to react to it. Now, having said that, this kind of goes what I was talking earlier is I think in the short term, um, the U.S. wants a stronger dollar because I think that they believe that a couple of things. Number one, I think the Fed is arrogant enough that they think that they can cause a recession and then just turn around and go right. back to QE or whatever it is and save it. Right. Right. So I, I don't think that there are these idiots that don't see a, a recession as a possibility. They're not going to go out there and say that. But of course, they see that as a possibility. But again, I just think they're you know arrogant enough that they think that they can counteract it when it happens. That's number one. Number two is, that, again, I think that they want a stronger dollar to put this pressure on the rest of the world. Um, but, uh, and, but then the third thing is, I think it's very possible that what happens outside the United States is what uh, would cause them to ultimately have to react. And, and, and in that scenario, though, I still think the U.S. would be a better place to be than these other countries are out, are out in, in international investments. The other thing I would say is I don't, and I'm, I, listen, I can be wrong here, but I don't think that the Fed cares if the S&P goes down another 10 or 15, 20%. As long as the credit markets and the dollar funding markets and the treasury markets are still functioning, okay, hmm. um, because I think they, if, if I think that they believe if they can get asset prices down, then that will you know translate into lower consumer price inflation, right? And that's right. what they want to do. They want to counteract this consumer price inflation. The biggest knock on Biden right now is that he hasn't done enough to fight inflation, and is, and it's screwing the little guy, right? And it's an election year. It's not now Biden's not up for election, but the Democrats are. And it's a big one, right? Because if they lose control of Congress, then, you know, Biden is just, you know, behind a, an eight ball, so to speak. I mean, he's, he's think about it, all the things he's tried to accomplish and hasn't. And he has a fully Democratic Congress. So now imagine he's got a Republican Congress. Right. So and, and I think that this idea that the Fed and these other central banks are independent of government, I think, is perhaps the biggest myth ever, you know, mm-hmm. perpetuated. I think they're inherently political. I think, and I don't think that they're just a little bit political. I think they're very political. And I think they want to get Biden reelected. I think the last thing the Fed wants is Trump to be back in power or the Republicans to be back in power. And so I think that they really do want to get inflation down by, you know, come election time um, so that they can say, listen, we've, we've got this under control. And as a result, I think that they might have to accept lower asset prices, which means a lower uh, stock market. Now, that having said, they still need the treasury market to function. They still need money markets to function. They can't have runs on the bank and all that kind of stuff, right? So, again, it's kind of this delicate dance that they're doing, but I think that they're okay with lower asset prices uh, as long as it doesn't totally screw up the, the monetary system or the plumbing of the monetary system. It's that reverse wealth effect that Bill Dudley talked about a couple months ago. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's a good example. I mean, he just came out and said it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't even cloaked in any central banker. It's amazing how when these guys leave the, their posts, they all of a sudden speak in normal English. Right. <laughs> it's like they, <laughs> they learn to relearn the language. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Brent, this has been awesome. Again, we've been speaking with Brent Johnson, uh, founder and CEO of Santiago Capital. Uh, this, of course, all brought to you by Sprott Money and SprottMoney.com. Again, we just ask you to please uh, like 
share or subscribe to whichever channel you're listening to. That helps us cast a wider distribution net going forward. And of course, anytime you're in the market for precious metal or storing that metal, uh, go to SprottMoney.com or give them a call at 888-861-0775. Brent, my friend, thank you for your time. This has been fantastic and very informative. I very much appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you calling me or reaching out. It's always fun to talk to you and happy to do it anytime. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. And thank you everyone for listening. Please check it back again in July for another edition of the Sprott Money Ask the Expert. 